But one day you're going to wake up and be old and realize that you spent the majority of your life because most of us work more than we actually have a lot of time to to personalize and do other things if you know you don't take sleep out of it so you have to make sure that you don't waste your life and waste your your energy in places that are just not aligned this is your badass journey podcast i am kareen walsh serial entrepreneur growth strategist executive leadership coach and best-selling author Each week, I will bring you a guest or a thought that will help you align what you love with what you do in order to build that badass life and business you dream of. Welcome, everybody, to another episode of Your Badass Journey podcast. Today's guest is Kelly Wingo. She serves as the founder and chief vision and strategy officer of KMW Catalyst. KMW Catalyst is a leadership and development consultancy dedicated to transforming the business experience into the human experience through entrepreneurial uh, uh, culture and employee experience, vision, and strategy. She talks about how to be an intrapreneur. An intrapreneur is basically the entrepreneurial spirit and direction and capabilities within uh, somebody else's corporate structure. So you're not the entrepreneur in that space. You're the entrepreneur in that space. She has had several Forbes articles written up and is such a gift to be able to talk to today to share our mutual leadership tips with you because you know this is an area that I love to focus on. But also to to help you maybe stretch yourself a little bit in 2021 and really define and find what an aligned workplace looks like for you. So let's jump into today's conversation with Kelly and I will see you on the other side of the episode. Welcome, Kelly. Hey, Kareen, how are you? Thank you for having me. I'm so honored. Oh my goodness. I'm so excited to dive into today's topics on leadership and facilitation and you know how we can um, help our leaders listening grow because that's what I'm obsessed with. But really to be able to share your perspective and your journey on how you decided to get to the point where you built and launched um, KMW Catalyst and uh, share a little bit about what was the catalyst for you to actually build your own business and start leading it. I'm excited as well. Yeah, let's get into it. Great. So tell us a little bit about your journey. Like, How did you get to this, this point of running your own business? And you can go as far as back as you like. Our, my listeners love details. So whatever, <laughs> whatever you want to share that got you here. Yeah. Okay, well, you know, I was born on a sunny Tuesday in April. <laughs> oh my gosh, April what? April what? April twenty third, thirteenth. So we're, <laughs> you're you're right on that Taurus cusp. I'm I'm a I'm a total Aries girl. I'm a total okay. Aries. All right. Well, we're di- we're both diamond babies, you know. So we that's like right. yeah, that's our gemstone. So we yes. like bring the diamonds on. Yeah. So born on April twenty third. Go. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. And let's start with your like how you established your career sure. and then brought sure. you to build your business. Sure. So um. Originally, I was in the financial services industry for about 25 years. Um, and during that time, I worked at several different companies at, at Merrill Lynch and BlackRock and Oppenheimer, um, primarily in managed accounts, asset management. I did a little um, Six Sigma Black Belt when that was really hot, when GE yep. was doing all that and Motorola was doing all of that. So I had a great time doing that. I worked in retirement a little bit um, and with financial advisors, helping them um, handle their high net worth clients using separately managed accounts, mutual funds, etc. And about around 2016, 2017, I got to the point where I kind of hit a wall. You know, it was, it was a great career. It was a fruitful career. Um, but something was missing. You know, it just, it, after a couple of decades, you know, it, it's like this, when you first start your career, at least when I first started my career and I came out of college, I'm originally from Ann Arbor, Michigan, and I moved to the East Coast in New Jersey, New York area. 
about 22 years now. And when I first came here, it was all exciting. You know, you were coming into the city, into New York and working on Wall Street. And that was always something that was a dream of mine. And my family, my father was a financial advisor. My mother was a professor. So it kind of ran in the family to some extent. And so it was exciting. I felt like I was, you know, firing at all cylinders and learning so much stuff. And then it got to the point where after a couple of decades, you know, it was time for a change. And at first I kind of went the traditional route of like, okay, I know what it is. I need a new job. You know, I just, I've been at this company for a long time. Maybe I just need a new job. And I got a couple of good job offers. And for some reason, I just couldn't take them. I I Mm -hmm. just couldn't take them. It didn't matter how much money they were offering me, even though it was, you know, a different company, it was still kind of same script, different cast. So I'm a woman of faith. I like, God, what exactly do you want me to do? Because I felt stuck. You know, I felt really, really stuck. And I had two pivotal conversations that really changed um, how I I thought about what my next step is in my career trajectory um, was. One of them was with somebody um, that I was working with that was probably the most difficult conversation I've ever had. Um, in my professional life where, you know, my authenticity was attacked and verbally attacked and in a way that it just never had been before, you Mm -hmm. know? And I remember it was like October, a sunny day in 2016. And I remember I sat in my, in my office and after this barrage of craziness happened, I sat at my computer for about an hour, just stared at it because yeah. I was in shock. Yeah. Um, and then it was like one o'clock and I, I just grabbed my pocketbook as old folks used to say, and I left. I didn't leave for good, right. but I was like, you, you know what? Walk out. I had to walk out because it was just something that I, I, you know, had never happened to me on that level before. And then another conversation happened um, around that same time with a colleague who I absolutely loved. He was the type of person who everybody loved. He was jovial and he was getting ready to retire. And, you know, he was telling me, you know, he was, you know, he'd been in the industry for, I think, like 40 years. He'd been with our company for about 35, 40 years, something like that. And I was like, wow, that is quite an accomplishment. That is amazing. Um, But as soon as I left, the congratulatory wishes left my mouth. In my head, I said, I can't do this. It was like almost an audible like voice saying, I can't do this for another five years, another 10 years, another 20 years. I cannot come into this beautiful glass building. I can't, you know, have this office that overlooks, you know, the streets down in New York City. I can't do this and have more meetings that are supposed to be solution driven, but end up sometimes coming out with more problems and solutions. And it was really those pivotal conversations along with me praying and fasting really hard. Like, what is my next step? That coaching came to me. Never heard of coaching. Didn't know what it was. Um, At the time, my company did not have a coaching program, professional development program. But I was like, you know what? When I learned more about it, I said, you know what? This is it. This is exactly what I need to do. I don't know if this is what I'm going to do for the rest of my life, but this is definitely the next step um, in my foundation. And went to school, went back to school, got my certification. And what a lot of, I think, you know, um, gigpreneurs or people who, who focus on the gig economy had their nine to five and they also have their side hustle do is that I kind of hid my side hustle. Mm-hmm. I was like, I don't know if I really want my employer to know. We did have to, to um, uh, notify them of any outside activities as you do in a lot of, especially financial services companies. But I kind of hid it because I didn't know what the repercussions were going to be. Yeah. And then I remember the day that we got our bonuses, I kind of blurted out to my boss. I was like, um, you know, I am finishing up my coaching certification and we don't have like a, a coaching program here. And I think our team could really benefit from this. Luckily, he was so supportive um, and loved the idea, pitched him a proposal. And I actually started team coaching at my former employer. Amazing. Um, that's really where, thank you. Yeah. And that's really where I found the, um, the interest in what uh, is known as entrepreneurship. A lot of people know about entrepreneurship. People generally know what entrepreneurs are, but a lot of people don't know what entrepreneurs are. And entrepreneurs are employees that operate with an entrepreneurial spirit. And what I found is, even in my life and when I coach other people now, is that developing an an ownership mindset really changes the paradigm. Not only does it increase employee experience and engagement, but it increases uh, customer satisfaction. 
Because if you really hate your job, I think customers are going to show know. up. Yeah, it shows that Absolutely. energy shows up. Yeah, mm-hmm. it shows up in everything. You know, so when you have more engaged, happier employees that have ownership over over whatever it is they do, it doesn't just have to be CEO. It could be from the mailroom to the boardroom because we all have processes that we take ownership off over. It increases customer satisfaction, and for for profit businesses, well, that also means revenue generation. Yeah, you know. Engaged employees generally, their companies are twenty one percent more profitable. Um, and when we look at a an environment where, according to Gallup, eighty five percent of employees worldwide are disengaged or actively disengaged, yeah, totally. That's a game changer. That's yeah. a game changer. So now with KMW Catalyst, I do focus uh, on companies and entrepreneurs um, to develop entrepreneurial culture and entrepreneurial mindset. And it goes further than that, though, because we all have to be the CEOs of our own lives, personally, yeah. professionally. You know, so it's bigger than just what we do um, in our companies. It's bigger than what we do as employees. But how we take ownership of our own lives, so we don't live at the effect of something, but we actually are empowered to do and make the choices we do. So, in a long story short, that's that's been my journey. <laughs> that's awesome. You know, it's it's great that you share some of the the battles you had also like when conflict arose and how you managed through that because i think that's something that also sometimes that strength of either facing it or enduring it or um until you're ready right like to make that shift to up level into whatever it is you want next and what what when i was kind of reviewing preparing for our conversation and and seeing that side of your journey i mean for me like i hit a glass ceiling at 23 and i had i was like that's a start of my career <laughs> you know and it became the trajectory of my willingness attitude and method of how i actually shop for companies when i was still an employee in other people's companies as well as the culture i look for now even the companies i choose to engage with and bring my team into there's there's a level of like true introspection, you know, that you go through. And I know that we have listeners that might be sitting in some of this conflict, especially with this new virtual way of working for a lot of people. I've been working virtually like for years. And I'm curious when nowadays you have conflict at a distance, you know, like there's this this assumption is high, avoidance is high. And true understanding and asking the questions is really, really low, in my opinion, with this type of virtual interaction. How, if this were, uh, if that occasion happened back uh, from back then now, what are some of the ways that you would navigate when conflict arises or you're being spoken to in a way that you don't agree with and you know, you're kind of questioning, why the hell am I here? Or, or even saying to yourself, I can't take this anymore. Like, let's share a little bit of that skill set. I think it's important to dive into because not many people share when they overcome that conflict, like how they actually went about it. Yeah, no, that's a great question. You know, if I were to put myself um, back in that space, but let's say we're in the environment we are in now where it's, it's largely virtual, as, as you were saying, I think working virtually can be a blessing and a curse in many ways. Now, what happened to me, or generally in difficult conversations, you're not always, when you're always in person and you're, you're, you're in an in person meeting, you're not always afforded the opportunity to just take a step back and take a breath. In this environment, in virtual, yeah, you know, you do have a little bit more flexibility to do that. So yeah. as I was saying, even in my situation, I kind of stared at my computer. I, I think the screenshot, the screensaver went off. I sat there so and long. And watched it. Yeah. Know, and watched it. <laughs> yeah. You know, when you're at home in your own space, you can take more empowerment to have that space to take a breath and step back. And I think also it gives you the time to be introspective and ask those type of open-ended probative questions that are not so much judgmental, but in an effort to learn the other person's point of view. 
Mm-hmm. So you understand where that person is coming from. Yeah. Because when we talk about conflict and we talk about difficult conversations, which we all have difficult conversations, not just in work, but personal life too, oh, no, you know, no. whether it be personal relationships or professional relationships, you really have to understand as much as you can the perspective of the other person yeah. before you jump to judgment, before you jump to a defensive posture, even though when some things seem pretty clear that maybe it is an attack. I think for your own sanity, you have to understand what the motivation of that person is. Yeah. And especially when we're talking about in a workspace, when you're talking about people who you may report to, mm-hmm. um, that may have some sway over your career, over your bonuses, over your salary, there, whether you, you want to or not, there comes a, a little bit of a political overarching environment around yeah, you're it. part of a system like that, that's the one thing i always like to identify too it's like well what does the system actually condone and and because you use a, a word when you said it it was almost like this has this had happened in other ways but this specific way crossed the line for you which yes. meant that even in the other ways there was a system in place that allowed for that type of behavior and 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 there's this new you know the the younger generations coming up now and the whole cancel culture that we're living in now it is so fragile i feel like acts of communication and understanding and communic- and communicating well there isn't they're not giving enough space to have that conversation before someone gets canceled. And it's so risky. It's so risky for your career. It's risky for who you actually want to show up in life to be as mm-hmm. standing in such reactionary mode. So I love what you're, what you're sharing is that there's a pause that's required. And then there's the self-dialogue and understanding of the situation. And then what? So... Once you seek to understand and you've heard, um, it's always good. And I'll use kind of my my coaching tricks um, to acknowledge and validate. You know, acknowledge and which basically means repeating what the person says, just to make sure that you're clear yeah. on what exactly they're saying. And then you know, validate the fact that okay, you know, I understand that you feel this way. And then you start talking about your point of view using I feel this way. Um, this is how I see it because you have every right to feel the way you feel. You know, you have every right to think the way you feel. So you take accountability for your feelings and your thoughts and how you see things. Um, That doesn't necessarily promise that the other person is going to act in in a reciprocal way by asking probative questions or listening to you in the same way you are listening to them. But I think, you know, even for your own self and how you project, you protect your reputation and the good work that you are doing is to really um, approach things in a way that preserves your integrity um, and your energy and your space, regardless of what other people do. You can't control what other people do. No. I mean, you know, and, there, and you have to also understand, you know, there are some people who are not going to like you no matter what you do. You can kiss them on the forehead. You can give their children gifts. You can invite them over to Sunday dinner. They're not going to like you. Right. Period. Right. Don't worry about likability. Mm-hmm. You know, I think you also have to make the distinction between being personable and being likable. Yeah. And I think sometimes women especially were taught to be likable. You have to smile. And that was part of, you know, what his attack on me was, you know, I don't smile enough. Right. I don't do this. And that always comes up with women. And sometimes we feel we put that pressure on ourselves and other women. Well, you know, you just don't seem likable. Yeah. Or like me, I have a wretched, rested bitch face. Yeah. <laughs> Exactly. It could totally get misinterpreted. But when you see me smile, it's a whole different energy. But like it could totally be misinterpreted if I'm sitting in my own thoughtful zone. My face looks almost a little growly sometimes. And and I've actually had clients coming out like, Are you okay? I'm like, Yeah, why? I'm just concentrating. You know, like it's it's the understanding of self also to to face that adversity, right? Like that that shocking being like Told you need to be someone that you're not or look a certain way that you will never look or it's not who you're meant to be, how you actually can hear it, but not necessarily metabolize it. Right? Yes. Yes. I mean, exactly right. I think, you know, in me being a Black woman in a corporate space, um, and especially Mm -hmm. financial services, which is largely conservative, whatever that means, I'm never going to look the part. 
Yes. Period. <laughs> you know, so me trying to fit into, you know, this, this duality of my existence, I think, you know, one of the things about um, thinking as an entrepreneur or an entrepreneur and even self-discovery is like, you cannot be about the duality of your existence. I am no longer about the duality of my existence. What you get is going to be Kelly Wingo, period. <laughs> point blank. Right. That doesn't mean that I act the same way in every single environment because right. we're like kaleidoscopes. You know, we yeah. all reflect different lights depending on people looking at us. But, you know, trying to be something that you're not is almost proven failure, you know, kind of to understand, underline what you were saying. Yeah, of course. Yeah. Because from yeah. the inside out, then you become a version of yourself that believes that you're broken or believes yeah. that you're not enough or you're sitting in an energy that in order to have this job, you must show up a certain way versus focusing on the skills. Like jobs are meant for skills to be, uh, you know, done and, and completed and show up for. Like you're hired for the skill. And then there's the personality that sits on top of that that creates an interaction. You know, like, but it's, and sometimes you're right, it's not a fit sometimes. And I really encourage when, when I have been in a coaching stance with certain clients of the system that you're in does not fit and is not aligned with who you are. So you will constantly sit in conflict. You will sit in inner conflict because it's not aligned. So let's go find the aligned system. And if, and if, if you're in a leadership role, you know, if you've garnered that responsibility, then you need to create the environment. That was something I taught myself super young too. I was like, I need to create the environment that I always dreamed was yep. ahead of me to be a part of, but yep. I had not really witnessed yet. I needed it to create it for me and my team. So at least I could show up authentically in that space and then figure out the, the upward management required to leverage the system because that's all it is, you know, in, in its place. Yeah, it is. You know, I, I have to, I have to underline everything that you just said. Um, you know, cause I feel the same way there. I'm of, of two minds, you know, obviously give it a good faith effort, you know, so try your hardest, but life is too short to stay in place, places and spaces that are literally stuck in your life's blood. Okay. Yeah. Cause one day you're going to wake up and be old and realize that you spent the majority of your life because most of us work more than we actually have a lot of time to to personalize and do other things if you right. know you don't take sleep out of it so you have to make sure that you don't waste your life and waste your your energy in places that are just not aligned and it doesn't necessarily mean it's a bad place or you're a bad person not at all it's just it doesn't it doesn't fit and doesn't align and that's where i think you know, an abundance mindset versus a lack mindset comes into play. Because even in this environment, in this economic situation, there are still opportunities out there. Oh, yeah. Money to be made. There there is. You know, sometimes we get like lost in the comfort and security and the fear because we're like, I don't know what's out there. What if I can't find another job? What if my business doesn't work out? You have to live with an abundance mindset that there are opportunities everywhere. So you don't feel like you're locked in to this position or this job or even this client, if you have your own business, that you'll never make the money or you'll be stuck, you know, doing whatever it is. That's completely untrue. But that's exactly what you get with that mindset. True. So is that right? Like so when you're thinking of the lack and you're thinking of the um, oh I can I can only achieve that here blocker, then Mm -hmm. yeah, that's what you will achieve because that's the energy you're putting out in the world. But the openness, the abundant mindset is so key. I always, I always like to lean into you know the growth mindset because it's yeah. who do I need to be in yeah. order to achieve what it is that I truly want, and that's the ownership on me to stand in that responsibility for myself to go and figure it out, like be open to what's next. Yeah, I think that we are marketed in corporate to mm-hmm. stay in our lane. And, yep. and, and the fear mongering around it. But this year, I think, has challenged that mm. tremendously. Absolutely. People are now working through the, from their homes, not doing their commutes as much, like uh, figuring out that, oh, wow, I can actually be more efficient at my job from here and potentially achieve XYZ for myself. Like, there's those who are more abundant minded, open, wanting new opportunities are seeking that out. And that's yeah. how you go and you find it because you're open to finding it. 
Yeah, yeah. It, I mean, it is an energy exchange. It is. That's exactly what an entrepreneurial mindset does. Yes. So 2020, if any year has taught us this, is that doing it how you've always done it is not an effective response. We don't have any choice but to innovate. We don't have any choice but to take you know, ownership of our choices. So, you know, I, I, again, I underline it. Everything that you just said is that you have to learn to seek opportunity in everything, even bad things or not optimal things that happen. Like, I'm supremely grateful for that conversation I had four years ago. Because yeah. if I hadn't had it and I didn't have those other conversations, I didn't have my personal revelation, I still would have been comfortable and secure doing the same mind-numbing stuff that I had grown out of, that right. I had served all of the, the, the sweet orange juice and was starting to, to squeeze out the bitter lemon juice out yeah. of. Right. You know, so even when you have these difficult conversations, what we were talking about before, see even the opportunity of that, because that might have been your cue to say, okay, I need to be pushed. And sometimes we need a seat and a, a kick in the pants to say, I need to move on because my greatness is not tied to where I am. I yeah. need to keep moving. Yeah, I think that's I think that's great. That awareness, but also the what's my part in it. Yeah. You know, um, and also seeing maybe that person is just that way and that's them, but also create the boundary for yourself, I think is really important if a line has been crossed that yeah. is not aligned with you. I remember one conversation I had with I, I think I was still I was an exec in a startup and I was sitting at you know it's all this open space you know stuff but we we couldn't find a conference room we ended up sitting in like the kitchen room and it was a small long table we're all standing around it and it was three of us and it was my boss and then my my counterpart and the way my boss was talking about at me <laughs> I I love that I finally got the chops like I finally found the connection to self to know how to articulate the attitude that he would like the way he was vocalizing things at me, I was able to put on pause and say, time out. Like, can we find another way for you to say that to me? I know it's not your intention to probably make me feel this, this, and this, Mm -hmm. but your aggression towards me is starting to shut me down. (laughs) And I was like, we can work on it together. Like, yeah. So I, you know, but it it takes a skill. It takes a lot of self-awareness. I wasn't shutting him down you know, in the situation, but I had to call him out because I wasn't going to... That was not aligned with the way I want to work in the environment with all that I was showing up in this particular environment to do. And mm-hmm. I think that's the other part of growth. Like, I'm curious if you see this as you go in and out of these teams and facilitating exercises and you're assisting these leaders in not only working together, but making sure their teams are managed well. Do you have any underlining lanes that you always check in on or like assess, you know, when you're looking at them to be like, oh yeah, I've seen this before. This is the this is the thing we have to focus on here. Yeah, you know, I think you definitely touched upon one of them. You know, I call myself a a, a professional boundary setter. Mm, nice. And I think you have to learn to be a professional boundary setter. Now a boundary setter doesn't mean you say no to everything and you push back on everything. It's about using your yeses and your no's strategically. Right. Mm -hmm. So even when we move away from difficult situations and difficult conversations, you know, I know that we're all blessed enough to have a lot of great opportunities come our way. But everything is not necessarily aligned to your vision. Everything is not necessarily aligned to the goal that you are trying to accomplish even for that day or that month or for that year. So even while a good opportunity may present itself, sometimes it still has to be a strategic no. That does not mean a a no period. It may be a not yet. Um, Whereas conversely, there are some things that even you don't know much about and you realize you're going to have a steep learning curve or you're going to have to learn how to communicate in a different way needs to be a strategic yes, because it's going to get you to your next level. So being a professional boundary setter, especially when it comes to personal boundaries, and I'm not necessarily talking about physical boundaries because a lot of us don't necessarily have that in the workspace right now because we're far apart. Yeah. But even emotional boundaries, um, professional boundaries that we have at work, you know, just like you outlined, you have to have those professional boundaries that so you know it. It's not this person, but the way you are approaching this yeah. is not going to be acceptable. So let's try and come up with another way that we can talk about this, yeah. right? 
So that's also part of professional boundary setting. And then saying that was to me, for what you we explained is a strategic no. I am saying strategically, no, I am not okay with this line of questioning or this line of conversation, but strategically, yes, this is what, this is maybe another way we can, we can approach it. So being strategic in those things and setting boundaries is very important. Yeah. One of the exercises I do when I bring new teams together, I, I, I uh, align and outline what I call the code of conduct mm. for how they all come together. And in that, we discuss like we literally map out as a team, you know, what is the energy of this group that you want to have? How are you planning to show up and be excited or, um, or not or heads down? Or what does it look like? What's this environment? They're, they're, they're literally defining the culture of the group. Yeah. And then they define how they come together and um, resolve conflict. So one of the, the reason why I bring this up is that what one of the learnings I had in my career is that when I'm listening to something that I don't necessarily agree with, I start using proposal language. <laughs> I said, well, I hear what you're saying. And I, what I think you're proposing is, and I define their proposal. And then I'll say, but I, I, what I'd like to counter propose with. You know, and it, it kind of sounds a little bit legal, but it's it actually when you're using the word propose, there's an opening because yes. it's not a finality. Yes. It's like I'm proposing this. What do you counterpropose? And we actually then outline that in this code of conduct contract that the team signs, so that when they are in the middle of the heat, because we know we all get there, they actually yeah. now have a method to anchor them to resolve it as quick as possible, but also know that they all agreed to respect each other through the conflict and this is how they go and resolve it. So that is also another boundary setting method that I think is super important. And I like that you said um, the strategic no. I call it um, a yes and. Like (laughs) I I like to say, sure, I'd be happy to do that. And in order for me to do that, I need you to then prioritize the 10 other things you gave me. So what's the first? Because yes, I'm happy to do that. What are you taking off my plate? You know, um, or yes, that is aligned with where I want to go. I need to get these things off my plate in order for me to step into that. Um, So those are really great tips for uh, our listeners, but also for communication. I think to me, the common theme I always look at as a, a strategic uh, business advisor going in and working with C-suite teams, it's like, well, how are you all communicating? And are you in siloed agendas? Mm. Because the siloed agenda is probably what's creating all this conflict and pain and lack of resolution that you are coming to me individually and telling me, but you're not telling each other to yeah. navigate. You know, And so how do, we, how do we figure out that common ground and leverage the communication? And and it does sometimes take a third party like you and I in the room to be that conduit of conversation. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I think you know, to your point, sometimes you, when you're part of one of the parties or one of several parties that is is really um, at the hub of whatever it is you're doing, your objectivity sometimes lowers, and it's not necessarily on purpose. It's just kind of human nature. So to bring in someone who is kind of looking at it, whether it be like a tennis match where you're kind of looking side to side as they're kind of ping-ponging back and forth, or, you know, you're just, it, a lot of it's observations that, you know, I, this is what I am seeing. This is what right. I am hearing. And sometimes you hear that you see like literally on their face, this kind of light bulb that goes off saying, you know, I never realized that this is the perception or this is what, how it could be heard because I I like to, I'm an optimistic person by nature. I would like to think that most people don't always intend to, to be offensive. They don't Mm. always intend to try and destroy somebody on the very, you know, high end of it. I think it's just a matter of not being able to see yourself, um, which we can't. And then even how we interact with each other is very important. Yeah. So I agree with that. Yeah. And I think it's really finding the the commonalities as to why you're all in the room. You know, when when you're starting to take things so personally, Mm. then it's actually the the end goal is being forgotten in a workplace. You know, you are there to work. (laughs) You know what I mean? Like uh, the way it's just so funny because I know with my age, like, you know, being 45 and I've been in in the game 20 years, 20 plus years now, like I've seen so many environments and I have a really high EQ. Like I learned that 
from a young age because I had to maneuver in my own family unit and then still go ahead and manage like at school. And so like I definitely have the softer side um, of skill set that then I could maneuver into my strategic get shit done, actionable side, you know, of of the businesswoman that I am. And I found that like when you really observe the what are we all trying to get to the end of together, (laughs) then it's so much easier to remove all the personalities, like remove all the the conflict and just hyper focus on like, well, let's move forward together to get this thing done. You know? Yeah. And I think it's also because that's a very important part, you know, saying what is what is the common goal you're you're having here? What do you you know, what are we looking to achieve together? And then also thinking about, well, what have we done well? You know, Mm -hmm. what has worked thus far? Because very rarely does a project or a team be irretrevocably broken. You know, right, it's like right. there's always they produce to be, something. They produce something. You yeah. know, they're there for some <laughs> reason. You know, you gotta be grateful for like one thing. There's gotta um, be. Yeah. You gotta be, you know, and, and I know different personalities sometimes thrive in drama, and that's understood too. But sometimes if you start the meeting off with, okay, what have we done well? Yeah. You know, what are we grateful for? What, you know, can we, what can we build on as a foundation and work from there? It kind of sets the tone of the meeting because sometimes you can go down in a death spiral very, very quickly from zero to 60 in 4.5 seconds. Yeah. yeah. You're all sitting in a reactionary space and focusing on what's not working, which could be only like a 2% out of the 98% that is like there's, there's the, the structure of understanding. And I love that tip also is just like, like, let's celebrate. What do we want to celebrate this week? Like what is going really well? How and what can we make better? Like I love that question. Like how can I get better? Yep. You know, so that everyone is in this forward motion versus a reactionary space. It it definitely impacts your effectiveness it as does. a leader and as a team. So uh, it's a really great, really great question also to to be initiating meetings with. And then let's get into the hard stuff. You know, because right. now you're on a high note. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. And then it's more constructive. It's more solution driven um, as opposed to, I, I do make the distinction between being solution driven versus, you know, problem solving. I think even just a problem is just a solution waiting to happen. So sometimes even how you sh- you shift that mindset, it's like, oh, we got all these problems to fix. All we got, I mean, it's, you're coming in kind of like dejected. Yeah. But if you say, okay, let's come up with solutions. Solutions are opportunities. Yeah. And even that mindset shift, you may be dealing with the same stuff, but when you look at it as an opportunity to create solutions, it even you even start to think about it a little bit more difficult, dif- uh, differently. Differently. Totally. Yeah, I agree. I used to say I'm a strong problem solver. And then you're right. I did shift it to solution, solution-based thinker. Yeah. Like I don't know how to turn it off. Like yeah. if you, you tell yeah. me you want to achieve XYZ, uh, and then I just monetize it in my business now. <laughs> yeah, it, I, it's addictive. That's the good thing. It's like it's addictive. And the problem is, is. The problem is either way it can be addictive. If you're like always looking for problems, you're always going to be in that that problem issue. You'll find them. You will find them. You're looking you're, for them. You'll find them. Exactly. Exactly. But if you're always looking for solutions, you'll always find solutions. Yeah. So I love the fact that you went through that transformation. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and that's that abundant mindset that you talked yeah. about earlier. You know, it, it it that is the deep rooted of like the there's there is more out there. There's possibility. It's it's yeah, it's a beautiful way to be. So tell me a little bit about you know your business today and where you're focused and who you're looking to attract in. Sure, sure. So as I said before, my business is KMW Catalyst. It's a leadership development consultancy focused on entrepreneurial culture, employee experience, vision, and strategy. And I call myself the entrepreneurial, um, the corporate entrepreneurial culture evangelist, Mm. because as I was stating before, I strongly believe in the power of an entrepreneurial mindset, even in the corporate space, even in the the non-corporate but business space, because it truly changes the trajectory of not just the employees, but your business and your customer satisfaction and your revenue. Because let's just 
it real. Yeah. <laughs> that is important too. So my focus is on um, corporations, businesses, as well as entrepreneurs to really um, help them develop an entrepreneurial culture that espouses all the values that I talked about yeah. and helping, um, and it even goes to hiring practices. If you really want to develop an entrepreneurial culture, you have to hire accordingly. Yeah. This also means that, you know, especially for founders, because I'm a founder too, sometimes we get caught up, this is our baby and this is exactly how it has to be done. But even as a founder, as a CEO, you have to trust the ability of your own hiring practices when you bring people into your company that have this innovative mindset that are going to challenge you to think differently, that are going to challenge you to say, okay, you know, you've always done your business this way, but perhaps if we tweaked a little bit you might see a different type of client coming in that increases your offering. I mean, let's, let's look at, um, Amazon, for instance, you know, Amazon is obviously a big company, but you know, people laughed at Jeff Bezos when he wanted to, to, um, sell books online because that's stupid. Everybody went into Borders and Barnes and Nobles and bought books. And that was a stupid idea. Everybody needs to touch and look at it. Never. And to some extent that is still true, but look at where Amazon is now. So having that type of, you know, visionary mindset is very, very important. Um, so that's why I really like to focus on companies that see the, the value of entrepreneurial culture, whether they already have some of it or they're looking to develop it. Um, and I do a series of workshops and trainings. I do one-on-one coaching. I do team coaching uh, to really help companies and specifically employees and humans, because I think we forget the human aspect of businesses. And that kind of alludes to what you're talking about is with corporations. It's kind of a system. Yeah. Um, but the tagline of my business is transforming the business experience into the human experience. Because when you really think about the humans that make up a business, it really changes the whole value system where values are not just what you put on a website with smiley faces. And it's not just what you put on the wall as people come into their physical space, if they're still coming to the physical space. It's really actually how you live it and how your employees and your customers feel it. Even when we talk about customers, customers don't cozy up to businesses. They co- cozy up to people. Yeah. To how people. you make them feel. How you make them feel. Yeah, as what you know? they're buying. Yeah. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Exactly. So that's that's what I, I focus on. Yeah. Is there um, a, an a achievement in your business that you would like to celebrate in our chat today? I'm the type of person who feels like every day is a celebration. I think the first celebration was the day that I, I truly owned my voice and I made that tra- transition to full-time entrepreneurship from you know being in the corporate space for 25 years, as I, as I indicated. But I think the thing that I love about being an entrepreneur and being in business and adopting an entrepreneurial mindset is that I'm not afraid to say there are times where I have absolutely no idea what I'm doing. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I feel like 20% of the time, I have a good handle on what I'm doing. 80% of the time, it's all new. Like every single day, yeah. it's all new. And I feel like I have not used my brain in such a way in such a long time that it's exhilarating. Uh, so I, as far as like milestones to celebrate, and I, I'm a firm believer that we all have to celebrate something every single day. Yeah. So even the fact that I am sitting here talking to you is absolutely positively a celebration because I love this conversation we're having. Yeah. It's an opportunity to like connect with somebody who's like-minded, who has like a, a similar background. Yeah. Um, as, as I do in finding a kindred spirit in it. So even this is a celebration. And to me, it doesn't always have to be, look, I brought in this multi-million dollar client. That's great. That's wonderful. Um, and definitely won't turn that down. But it's right. about really appreciating all of the opportunities of having good conversations, of having excellent clients that align with my values. And I think that's also very important, whether you're an entrepreneur or employee, is that, and we talked about a little bit before, is that you have to be in places and spaces that align with your values. Yeah. The people align with your values because if you don't, you're going to pay a lot more than whatever paycheck you're getting. You're going to pay in mental sanity. Yeah. <laughs> you're going to Health pay issues. In- yeah. Issues, relationships, relationships. Please name it all. <laughs> I mean, all. Yeah, no, because we've been there. Like we've been in the dysfunction, right? So yeah, on the other side, it's much healthier. Yeah, it is. It is. You know, there's nothing like keeping your sanity 
Um, when you're working with clients or you're working with your manager or, or uh, people who report to you or your colleagues, I can't stress that enough. And so a, a milestone and a celebration for me is that my clients align with my values and my company's yeah. values. And I can't be more grateful for that. Yeah, that's beautiful. I love that. Well, congratulations on it because I know what stamina it takes to sustain that. Yeah. Um, and also the quickness of the pivot if if by chance you said yes to the wrong client, right? Like that you can like pivot them out of there. <laughs> so because I've had to go through that too. We're gonna go to the left with you. Thanks. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. That's when you start charging three times as much because you yeah. don't want to work with them anymore. Yeah. 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 So yeah. that's a beautiful thing. I love the attractor that you are. And I think um it's worth celebrating. You know, it's not easy being a uh, female-owned business uh, of impact, you know, which yeah. is really what you are, and yeah. um, and navigating your own way, but being open to the learnings and the the how how you get in the door and you know garner those clients and continue down the path you personally want to be on. I think it's so critical in this time for us to be standing in that, especially after. 25 years of experience, you know, like we've learned a thing or two. There's a lot of value there. (laughs) So it's awesome. And (laughs) oh my goodness. But thanks for, thank you for being on my show. And as a thank you, I always like to ask at the end, you know, is there something going on in your life or business that you're feeling challenged by or would like some support on that I can, I can help you with today? Well, actually, I think you're doing it now. um, As a matter of fact, um, and I think underlining all of this, this you know, 45 minutes to an hour that we've, we've been talking is that throughout my journey, really owning my voice and the power in it. And now I realize that my superpower, my overarching superpower is really seeing greatness in others and helping them to excavate that within. You know, I was a, even though it may seem like it, not now, it may not seem like it now because I talk a mile a minute. I was extremely shy growing up. Like I didn't, if your name was not mommy or daddy, I probably was not going to speak to you. Mm-hmm. You know, it was that type of shyness and being so introverted. And then, you know, over time and growing and, and feeling empowered that I realized that, you know, my voice has power and so does yours. Yeah. So, um, as far as is help, you know, I think it's a continual journey that I'm, I'm going on in terms of accepting invitations that you're so gracious enough to invite me here. And I do not take that lightly. I, I receive it as an honor. So thank you very much, Kareem, because it's another confir- a confirmation that, you know, our voices matter. My voice matters. 100%. And, you know, and, and, and sometimes we have to look at it like this. You can't be selfish about your gifts. Yeah. Because somebody needs to hear what you have to say. Yeah. Somebody needs your business. Somebody needs your encouragement. Somebody needs your coaching. Somebody needs your product. So when we take ourselves out of it, right? And we think, you know, I'm I'm worried about people looking at me. What if I say the wrong thing? What if I make a mistake? What if I fail? You have to get over all of that. I'm sorry, you got to grill it up and eat it. You got to suck it up because yeah. somebody else needs to hear what you have to say because your gifts and your blessings and your talents and your gifts and your skills are not for you. They're to impact the world greatly. That's what our greatness is. It's not to be manipulative. It's about how can I impact the lives of others positively? So really, you know, my challenge and and my victory at the same time is to continue to, to find confidence and use my voice. I love that. I think it's, it's critical because I myself was um, very quiet, child always was like the obedient behaving you know just do what you're told don't speak unless spoken to was a was a boundary in our mm-hmm. household and um and and I also had two amazing sisters I'm the middle child that knew how to garner attention and I just <laughs> kind of like you know was in my little play along role for a long time and then but I garnered I I carried a lot of pain Actually, because there was some mistreatment and boundaries crossed, and but I didn't have a voice yet. And once I did learn how to use it, it became, in my opinion, the number one power to exercise every single day. Because otherwise, you are not making a connection with the others that need you, that want to connect with you, relate with you, be with you. Um, learn from 
if you're not using it in some form. You know, you're an avid writer, you have published articles, like you do it in many forms. The verbal one, I would say, is, you know, that is our like throat chakra too. We hold a lot here in our neck. If you start to get neck pain, it's probably because you're not saying what you need to really say to get out. Um, so just keep exercising those skills and, and, and then resting it when you need to be more introspective, I think is, is really critical for allowing your power to have a voice. And you also said something earlier about how you matter. You know, we all matter, but it's also you're needed. I yeah. think people yeah, need to also right. lean into, I'm, I'm needed to assist others and be the conduit. When we're in a coaching stance, we're a conduit. We are detached from the results. Yep. Like we are helping people get the results they, they want to have. So yep. I sometimes tell myself, Karine, you are a conduit of the message that others need to receive, of the power they need to see in their life, of the, the guidance or the, the, just the, the listening. Yep. Like That's a conduit too. But if yep. I'm not exercising that side of me, or if I'm sitting in doubt about maybe not saying the right thing, and I've definitely had my moments of not saying the right thing. <laughs> but, but, I, but I am quick. I am quick to face it and be like, okay, that was a that's a lesson learned. I'll learn a different way to say it, you know? And and so I love that you're recognizing that's a challenge of yours, but I'll tell you that if you change the language on it and and consider continue it to say, uh, how am I gonna get better at this? You know, and, and really lean into like more of a mastery, because um, you already are. Uh, and you don't, you know, you are doing it. You know, and it's just like it's awesome to see you in action, but also know the impact of you wanting that to be something you're better at. The continuous impact of that as well. So, Thank you. For that. Yeah. Thank you. For that. I, I I received that, and I appreciate it. Thank you for that, Kareen. Of course. <laughs> <laughs> of course. My pleasure. Thank you so much for being on the show. And um, listeners, of course, if you have, I know, so many valuable takeaways, you might even be re-listening to this show because there were so many good nuggets in it. But we love to hear from you. So make sure you go ahead and tag us in your post so we know you're listening. Yeah, like, like that. Um, at CMW Catalyst is what she is on IG. She's on Twitter at Warm Room Coaching. And of course, she's on LinkedIn because all of my and my amazing network loves to connect on LinkedIn as well. Kelly, it's K-E-L-L-I, Wingo, W-I-N-G-O. And just let us know you're listening. Connect with us. Let us know your takeaways. But also if you have questions because we are highly supportive people. You already just heard how much Kelly supports others as well. And we're here for you. We love walking alongside you. Thank you for allowing us to be part of your badass journey today. Wasn't that such a great episode? I know you got amazing takeaways from that. What I would love for you to do for me, if you can help me extend my reach, is go ahead and subscribe to the show so you get the latest notification and listen before anyone else. Also, if you could go ahead and post your review, your five-star review will help me get other people interested in this conversation and extend my reach of impact. Most of all, I would love for you to share this with your community. It means so much to me to have you as a listener and I would love to connect with you. So if you have any questions you would like me to answer on this show, go ahead and email hello at kareenwalsh.com and my team will make sure that I get your questions so we can get them answered on the show for you. Thank you so much for listening today and I'll see you on the next episode. 